0: You're now listening to A New Coat of Paint, starring the owners of LJK Finishes, Louis J. Katz, and Scott Katz. A New Coat of Paint is a podcast for independent painters, wallpaper hangers, and contractors of any size to discuss their craft, business practices, marketing strategies, and a lot more.
1: For all your contracting questions, with a special expert lens on wallpaper, this is A New Coat of Paint. Thank you to Tooltags for all your tool tracking needs. Visit TooltagsApp.com for more info. Thanks. Welcome to the New Coat of Paint podcast hosted by Lewis and Scott Katz. Good afternoon, Lewis. Good afternoon, Scott, and welcome to A New Coat of Paint, our new latest episode. Yeah, and I think today we are going to discuss crew training, hiring, and crew retention. Um, it's obviously the cornerstone of any good business is having the, the right employees, the right employees well-trained, and keeping the right employees So I think a good place for us to start today would be to talk about when you hire employees because I think there are two distinct different kinds of hires, in my opinion. I mean, there's obviously a lot of subsets to that, but for me, the two distinct different types of hires are if you're just on a big job and you need a few extra sets of hands to get a big job done in a timely manner. And then there is the person you're going to hire for long-term. Your business is expanding. You're you're consistently more busy. And you're looking to either hire an employee that does something that the rest of your crew doesn't do, or you're just looking to supplement your crew with more guys, more quality workers, and more skills. And also, uh, for the
0: development, you know, because all crews age, just like we do— and so it's good to start to train the next generation already so that, uh, you know, you know that you'll always have, uh, you know, uh, employees because, you know, your employees get so old and they can't go over and work and then you don't have anybody. So it's great if you start training people young and, uh, you know, get
1: used to your methods, I think. That's definitely important. And I also think that sometimes, I know, like for us personally, we... About it's gotta be seven or eight years ago now, we got one of those larger jobs that's larger than we normally do at any one, you know, any one time. And we were working in a complex that had five 20-story buildings, we were working on all the hallways, and we our crew needed to expand. So we actually hired a couple of guys to help us for that project, and one of them, one the you know, yeah, yeah, of them turned into a great well, employee, exactly. and now you know they're still with us nearly ten years later. Um, a couple of the other employees lasted through the project, through that, you know, through a few months after, through a year or so after. But we got one that really turned into a really good employee and transitioned as to a full time member of our team. So I think everybody understands that when you're working on a big project and you just need an extra set of hands, you're going to be focused on those guys. Your crew is all in the same place, so your crew is helping you make sure they're doing their job. It's almost just having a warm body there. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really about having them have an extra set of hands to get things done. So I think we really want to focus this episode on hiring crew members that will last.
0: Yeah, um, I, and there's so much to, you know, to teach them. I personally prefer a lot of times hiring someone that doesn't know um, to hiring someone that thinks they know. Because you know those guys that think they know, they're, they're very hard to teach because they feel like they need to go over and, um, and assert themselves and not allow other people to go over and teach them how you want things done. Because how you want things done, I think, is, is you know, that's the culture of your business. That That's a lot of times the statement of your business, is going over and having someone who understands. If you go to any of our guys, you ask them what the three most important things are. And their answer <coughs> is consistently going to be clean, clean, and clean. Because nobody comes in and goes, oh, my God, what an incredible paint job. But said how this- many people have come in and said, oh, my God, I've never
1: seen a job this clean before. And if you're a new coat of paint follower, you know how important that is to us at LJK Finishes because I'm sure you've heard my father say that more than once. <laughs> more than once.
0: <laughs> and I will not stop saying it. You know, I still, as a, even some of our employees that are with us for 25, 30 years, I will turn to them and go, oh, and what's the three most important things, especially when the young guy is around? And when they say it, they, they understand that someone who's been around for 30 years is still saying it, that it must be real. So, uh, I, you know, I feel that's a, a great criteria to get them started.
1: I agree. And the other thing, as time has progressed in the business and we've become more technology oriented, we've grown our, you know, our scope of the work we do and thus grown the inventory of tools that we have, I think some of the other things that we implement right away, other than trying to find someone who's a hard worker, someone who's got a good work ethic, someone who's not willing, you know, not worried about getting their hands dirty, someone who's really ready to dive in and dedicate themselves to learning something, is we implement our timesheets app, our tool tags app, we teach them the basics on how to use our FES tools and some of the other machines that we use on a very regular basis so that right away they are a part of the team. They know how to get themselves clocked in and out so they can get paid. They know how to keep track of tools so that we're not losing anything because they happen to be the one using it and they understand how to use the tools that they're most often going to use. So that not only do they know that we need to be clean, 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 but they also know how to function as a helper, which is just about where everybody starts. Yeah, sponges and in
0: and in garbage. Yeah, when you're, when you're hanging wallpaper. Uh, you know, everybody starts. Uh, you know, not even on the table. They they're taking garbage out and picking garbage up and, and just dealing with sponges. Yeah, it's See, a lot of
1: fun picking up those little cardboard razor blade wraps. I in know, I know. What it is. It is. I mean, you do it
0: for many years. Definitely the most fun part of any job. <laughs> but. That's how you learn how to go over. You have to start somewhere and you have to crawl before you walk. So, you know, going over and and starting to work with each of these things, picking up garbage and so on, you get to ask those questions. We encourage people asking questions, uh, you know, and I I tell the guys all the time "I, I don't usually ask you to do anything that I wouldn't personally do or haven't done myself. I'm not going to ask you to climb in a place where I haven't climbed before. You know, I'm not going to tell you to go up on a ladder. You're not comfortable on a ladder. We're going to teach you how to be comfortable on a ladder. You know, we want you to be comfortable and and there's lots of things to
1: learn. And I've done most of it. Yeah. And I was going to say that I think that's a good place to kind of break into one of the most important aspects of this is when you're hiring a new employee and when you're, you know, or you hired somebody and you're starting to get them working and you're gauging whether or not they're really going to make it long term, what are some of the things that you you can't teach? What are some of those skills that if they don't already have them as an individual, they're never going to, you're never going to be able to instill it into them? You're not their parent you're likely not, you know, this is not somebody in our business. Normally, this is not somebody who's 18. Normally, you get somebody in the early 20s who's bounced around in a couple of things and they're ready to, to step into this job. And if they don't have certain base skill sets, then they're just never going to work. And I'm not necessarily talking about knowing how to hold a brush or knowing how to roll out a wall or knowing how to mix plaster. I'm talking more about team players, work ethic, work ethic, um, comfortability, the ability to
0: climb without being afraid of heights. Yeah, and, and culpability. You know, when they when they go in, they do something. They they tell us if, if they mess something up, we don't. You know, things happen. Things get broken, or or something happens somewhere, or scratch to something. You don't want them to lie to you. You want them to come to you and tell you so that you can go to the customer and be honest with the customer and say, "Listen, my guy did this." I can't tell you. I, we have someone uh, who is notoriously uh, bad at, at you know how learning how to deal with people. Not our employee. One of our customers, and one of our guys came in, worked on their house, and they covered things up with masking tape, a medicine cabinet in per se, this particular issue. And when they pulled the tape off, little pieces of the wood veneer came off with it. And the guy didn't just throw it away. He went right to that person, because he knows this customer, Mm -hmm. and said, by the way, take a look. This is what happened when I pulled the tape off trying to keep your thing clean. They called me up. Lewis, I can't tell you how... The guy, I didn't have to go in and hear, oh, no, I didn't do it. You guys cop to it. I'm not upset. It happens. Things happen. We want to minimize those things. You want to minimize those things, but but if they happen, you don't want them to be afraid to tell you so that you
1: can go over and head off a problem. Well, and not just that. I think trust is one of those things that has to be, A, earned, and B, can't be taught. You're, at some point, your new employee is going to become... More of a permanent employee, and you're going to have to trust them to leave them in someone's house. You have customers that trust you with their keys, their (coughs) gate codes, their garage codes, and they're going to be in your. You're going to be in their home sometimes without them, sometimes without their their staff there. And you, (coughs) um, as a contractor, the one the one thing you can't explain away is if something is missing. You don't ever want somebody to walk away with something that's in somebody's house, think they're not being watched, especially now with all the cameras. But just in general, even before that, you don't want you don't want that reputation. You don't. Want, I don't want anybody stealing, it regardless. Or listen, they have keys to our equipment, and so if they're willing to steal from a customer, they're certainly willing to steal from us. And so I think that that's a good example of how trust can be built, because especially early when you're a new employee and you're making your mistakes for lack of understanding, if they're asking questions, and if they're upfront and honest with you about the mistakes they make for either not asking a question or for procedurally doing something slightly wrong, the more they're honest with you, the more you build that trust, the more you know that you can trust them to do certain things. And because no, I mean, Helpers are helpers, but if you're looking to be a a medium-sized, small-to-medium-sized contractor, you're not running a 30-man crew with five guys that are just, you know, laborers and helpers. Everybody on your crew has got to be able to really pull their own weight. And so sometimes if you have five little jobs, six little jobs going on, and you only have six guys on your crew, you need each one of them to be at their own job, doing their job, pulling their weight, helping the team make money. Making sure they're earning their salary, but also that requires a lot of trust. You have to trust that they know what they're doing. Trust that they don't need guidance from another employee. Trust that they won't steal or wander through a house or grab something, you know, grab a beer or out R-J of the fridge.
0: drag their feet. You know, take a two-hour lunch break, a, yeah. an hour a coffee break. Yeah, take a one-day job and turn it into yeah. a three-day three three day job, job because they figure they're getting paid by the hour. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's being a team member and it's being it's being a team. Uh, you know, everybody has to go over and do their particular thing. And you can always see it with the guys, when they walk in, everybody knows what, what they're going to do. They don't walk in and go, okay, what should I do first? And look to a foreman. Everybody walks in and starts to do the things that needs to get done. So it means, you know, setting up a shop, getting furniture moved, covering up floors, Covering up the furniture, covering up doorways, all these things. Everybody's grabbing something and doing something. No one's standing around watching everybody else.
1: That's our job. That's well said. Mm -hmm. So I think that leads into a question that you're specifically well-suited to answer. And that's about teaching some of the more complicated skill sets. Teaching someone to hold a brush, teaching someone how to roll a wall with their arms in the right position on the rolling stick. how How to caulk. Those are pretty basic skills that just about anybody with a desire to learn can learn. But as employees develop and as your business develops and diversifies, you have to be able to teach certain more specific skills. And you have taught now three different employees to be master wallpaper hangers to the extent that two of them, as they got older and were making a lot more money and their family had grown, they wanted to maximize their earning potential and have since... Moved on on good terms, but moved on to do their own work, to be their own small contractor, to start their own thing. And so, A, we've needed to continue to train people so that we still have a master wallpaper hanger. Mm -hmm. And B, we needed to learn from each of those because I think as you progress, you become just like they become better with time, you become better with time. So I'd like you to discuss maybe a little about teaching someone how to do something that you yourself went to school for, that you did for a long time, that's a very high-level skill, which is wallpaper hanging, and teach them to do it well enough to be able to do the type of wallpaper that we do to do any job that comes across. Because one of the things that we pride ourselves on is when another wallpaper hanger can't do a job, we're the guys that they people call. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and one of the other, other things, I mean, the two paper hangers that have
0: moved on since who we're still friends with, they're teaching their kids. So I'm I'm already two generations out, and I'm the third generation of my family that's uh, been doing this kind of work. Um, you know, my uncle was a, was a paper hanger, um, even in, during the time of the Depression, and he rest in peace now. So, uh, you know, I got some uh, good ethics from, from my family as far as that's concerned. But teaching someone the wallpaper is not it takes a mindset and, and you really have to be watching an employee for a few years to see if they have that attention to detail. I was going to say how do you identify those attention yeah, well, it's attention to detail. Why think little little things like when you go over and screw in multiple screws into a switchblade, all the lines, you know, all the grooves is lined up the same way. Little things like that, that, you know, that's not something you really, you know, you can tell people about that. But guys that do that, there's attention to detail. Um, uh, you know, how they clean up at the end of the day, how they maintain their cars, how, how they maintain themselves. Yeah. These, are all, these are all important issues that, that you have to assess that makes a package. Yeah, and, well, well, and, they're, they're, and, they're and, and then right, and yeah. then right, and then their 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 aptitude towards doing math because wallpaper is all about the math, uh, all the things that I thought that you know, why are you teaching me this? I'll never use this in real life. Boy, was I mistaken! I was, you're you are know, the one. I'm the you're one. You're the
1: one in algebra. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Well,
0: algebra and you know, certainly geometry, I was always good at it, and it just you know I just accelerated the geometry because we deal with so much geometry yeah. um, as I tell my employees all the time there's nothing straight on the round planet you know <laughs> because that's just the way it is so uh, going over and seeing all those those things within um, an employee and sometimes they'll come to you and they, they're not there yet but after working with you for a year or two and you see that they, they, they're they're getting jazzed by what they're doing that they're enjoy that they enjoy what they do um, and then it becomes um, you know the thing about teaching them and I, I teach guys slowly you know uh, I like to I like them to watch for a long time um, that you know that, that they learn and then they work the table because knowing about how wall coverings handle, is not just about putting it on the wall. Trimming is one thing that's a really important part of the job. But the geometry, uh, the laying out, the engineering, before it even starts... Even just the feel of the paper. Yeah, well, uh, that's how what it I'm saying. How it expands. How it absorbs expands. Moisture. What, what's going to curl on you? What paste are you going to use? Because there's a dozen different types of adhesives. What are we priming with? Are we putting a lining paper? There's so many you know, different scenarios... <laughs> you know what kind of walls are they plaster walls are they sheetrock walls and how are those walls going to affect the wall covering that we're hanging yeah. and i i laugh a lot of times when i see a lot of you know a lot of paper hangers they know one technique they know how to do this one thing and they know how to do that one thing maybe really well but when they come across a wall covering that won't hang with that technique they're lost and then they struggle I, I, I can tell you a dozen different ways to get to the same point with a wall covering. It's knowing how to do it, whether you're wet hanging, whether you're dry hanging, whether you're wet trimming, whether you're dry trimming, or you're trimming to parallel, or you're double cutting. There's so many techniques in there. And knowing which one to use in any particular issue, and then even when you pick out the technique you want to use, and you start working on the wall, and it's fighting you, To be able to change your technique on the fly without even a thought is what makes you a better paper hanger. So, uh, you know, uh, to me, there's just knowing the math and spending the time doing the math and then actually engineering a room, I think is probably one of the most important things that I, one of the most important skills that I see most paper hangers skip. When I see a guy walk in with a ruler in his hair and then starts measuring out after they've checked the wall covering, I'm impressed because that means they have an idea of where the, that they're going to place papers and patterns because that's the other thing, having some sort of visual. I used to take, you know, my first paper hangers that I trained, I used to take them to the museum. You know, I would take them to the Met, you know, three, four times You know, a couple times a year, take them like every for three or four years, take them to the museum and show them artwork because that's what you're doing. You're putting art on a wall and understanding how flowers grow, how vines grow. You know, what's the difference between a wisteria that's hanging down and a tree of life that's growing up are things that you learn from the art world. And, you know, those are the little things. By appreciating those types of art, you start to appreciate the wall covering, because artists are, are designing these. This is not just done by some random person who's throwing paint at a piece of paper. They're the people who... Are not that Jackson designs. Pollock
1: doesn't, didn't get $150 million for I, I, throwing cer- just that. He
0: certainly did, but he's not <laughs> hanging it on the wall unless it's a, you know, it's a picture. It's not, you know, it's not <laughs> wallpaper. Uh, talk more like to Roy Lichtenstein, who makes wall coverings. Dottalism is 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 an art form, and uh, you know, in cartoon art, those well, those are wall coverings. I've hung Roy Lichtenstein's worth, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for eight panels. Was over a quarter, you know, it was it was twenty five thousand dollars. And had it been oil on canvas, it would have been a quarter million dollar uh, piece of artwork. So you know, knowing how to work with artists, you know, and I've worked with a lot of artists. Uh, I worked at, we've actually hung paper for and worked for um, one of uh, the last, well, he's now passed also, but he was one of the last living protégés to Picasso, and it was, it was just fun because he understood what we were doing, so it was a
1: great experience for me. Yeah, I mean, and not just that, but that's as a contractor on the business side, not to step on my father waxing poetic about mm-hmm. the art of it. The more you can do and the better you can do it and the higher end products you can work with, the more you can charge. And I think that ties well into also how you balance the time it takes to teach something and the dip in productivity you might get from one of your better employees by teaching them a new skill and taking them from what they're good at to something that they don't know how to do yet. And balance that with employee retention, which, as we all know, comes down to paying more money. (laughs) You wanna be loyal, you wanna stand by your employees, those things are obviously important, but the real way we all know is to keep our employees and keep them happy and keep them working hard is to keep paying them more when they do more. And over time, as they learn more and they get better, you wanna pay them more money. So, in your experience, how do you find a balance for your personal time. It was one thing. When when you taught your first wallpaper hanger, your first assistant to hang wallpaper, you were still spending a good amount of time actually hanging wallpaper. So bringing, bringing her along just to follow you as a helper and then is working the table and then is dropping bottoms and then so on and so on until she was doing it on her own, you were just there anyway now when you're teaching our most recent paper hanger you have to find a way to balance your time the job's time and the employee's time because you're not there all day so you need to know when you need to be there you need to know how long you need to be there and you need to understand how that could affect the timeline of a job how much money the employee's making because like everybody else. The more paper they hang, the more money that they make. So, bringing them to a job where maybe they don't fully understand the type of paper and teaching them a new skill, teaching them a new technique, keeping their skills sharp, takes time away from you being able to do other things as the okay, boss. So once again, also the engineering part of it, and and it also with,
0: with slow- certain papers, you yeah. really need to know how to engineer. Um, teaching them how to read the the blueprint that on a mural. So that the mural heights are done right
1: and, and they're laid out properly. Well, that's what I'm saying. These are all skills that you have to teach these whoever you're teaching to do this. Mm-hmm. You could, we can do a whole podcast on. We can do a whole month's worth of podcasts on Technique. techniques and styles of wallpaper hanging and and the math and the science and the the art behind it. For me, it, for this episode, I think that we need, we want to focus more on. The business side of things. So if if we are getting a wallpaper to hang and it's a good job for us, but it's a job that Freddie, our wallpaper hanger, doesn't know how to work with. It's a product that you know how to do, but he doesn't. So you need to price the job and teach Freddie and, and, and be on the job and... and help Freddie hang to get it going and to make sure he does it correctly. But you have to be able to balance and understand how to keep Freddie motivated because that's not a job. He's going to make the max amount of money because the first two days of that job, he might not get up almost any paper or very little paper because he's learning how to do it, where on a job where he knows what he's doing, it could have only it might have only been a two-day job. <clears throat>
0: yeah, well, I, I, first off, you know, uh, sitting down and talking with them before this job starts, I mean, a perfect example, we went up the other day and it wasn't a normal match, it was a multiple drop versus a half drop, and walking in, I saw it immediately. And I said, did you check for that? And he's like, no, not yet. I was just in the midst of that. And I said, well, you realize it's a multiple. And then I did the math, and it's a one-quarter inch drop. Just being there for that, it stopped him from making a mistake before he started. So, you know, it's always good to be there in the morning. and, And going over the certain, sometimes there are intricacies of a paper, uh, you know, its intrinsic value, and why certain things do what they do, and explaining what you can get away with and what you can't get away with because the material's lack of or enhancement of certain uh, things, whether or not it's going to stretch and shrink, whether it needs to go over and expand and relax, there's a ton of different uh, little tricks along the way that you want to go over and teach them. And, you know, we always tell the guys, you know, this is not about rushing. This is about getting it right. Um, Obviously, you want to make, you know, enough money on the job and you want your guy to make enough money that he's motivated. And the more products that they know, that means we're getting more work. If we're getting more work, they're getting more work. They're making more money. So sitting down with, with an employee and explaining that to them really goes over and helps them understand that, uh, you know, what they're doing. And I think that the, the accomplishment of it, when they see their the, the product when it's done, wall covering is one of the, you know, when you paint a room and it's a couple of colors maybe, and you know, it looks great and there's no pimples and you fixed everything. Yeah, there's a certain amount of accomplishment, but when you see a pattern on the wall and watch how it all comes together and how it ties a room into something or you do something difficult like a ceiling or a really big crazy staircase with a curve in it, or something. Those are the things that, that get you, you know, your blood going because it's something different than the You're not doing, when you're painting, you come in, you're, you're, you're sanding, you're prepping, you're cutting, you're rolling, and basically, you know, it's paint. But when you're doing wall covering, every day is an adventure. And it could be really exciting and it could be really frustrating. And it could be really hair tearing out. And it could be like so, so, so satisfying when it's all done. So, you know, when when you get that passion, and, and you've said it before, the difference between me and and sometimes an employee is the passion. I have this passion for what I'm doing. I could wax poetically about wall coverings for days. From the history of them, you know, to, to what it's doing now and, and why it does what it does and, and the regions that it comes from and how it's being made and what's sustainable. Those things are, you know, a passion item is for me. And I want to instill that when, when you can speak that way to an employee and they can feel your passion, they get a passion for it. And I I think that's a really important part of things: is learning how to have a a passion for what you do. Um, A passion is a huge driving force, I think, because it's not always, you know. I guess everybody wants money, but satisfaction in your job life,
1: I think, is sometimes a higher importance. Uh, I mean, it's certainly in today's world. I mean, and it certainly helps get you through some of the tougher days. The When you know at the end of the road there's the light of the tunnel isn't the oncoming train and that you're getting more out of it than just a paycheck, that's when you are motivated and that's when that paycheck goes up. That's when that paycheck becomes a bigger paycheck and even more of a motivating factor. And I think a good example of A, identifying the right aptitude, B, being a good teacher is um, I'm not sure exactly how long it was a few weeks or a month or so ago. The WIA had its online convention with COVID. Obviously, it's not an in-person thing. And so there was one day where you could pay a fee, and they had a whole day of internet classes where a whole bunch of different high-level experts all were teaching something that they are particularly good at. Exactly, And some of it was new products. Some of it was just older skills that not everybody knows. But... Freddie, we talked to him about it, and he volunteered to come in, not to make money, not so he could sit on the clock on a couch for eight hours, but so he could come in and learn things as much as possible from these classes so that the next time one of those jobs came up, he could do it and make his money there. right. He was able to ask questions and, and, and you know
0: view, view the, uh, the tech talks, um, I you know I can't say enough about you know going over and, and organizations like the WIA to go over and uh, learning skills and now they have actually a university um, with paid for courses that uh, you can go over and take <clears throat> which you know if I see anything that that we haven't gone over and I think is a, you know is something that will add to our guys' skill. Then we're going to go over and pay for that class and get him to go over and take that in the in the you know in his home on his time
1: because he wants to learn more. Yeah. Well, it's important to mention that that's a good resource in general, not just for wallpaper but for any skill. Whether it be a, if you're spraying cabinets and you want to take you have your employees take a a spray gun maintenance class or a finish class. Yeah, there's so lots of, yeah. of Venues to learn either virtually or eventually we'll be back to in person learning, taking certifications on different products that allows them to learn things and it costs you a little bit of money but at the end of the day you can charge for these skills. Well, and also you can list them and then uh, being parts of organizations. Uh, I
0: mean, just you know, to go back to that for a second. Um what do you call it? It doesn't matter if it's the painting organization or the Builders Institute or the the WIA, the Wall Covering Installers Association, being part of them is being being a professional. Um, I, I, you know, when I see guys that that, that paper hangers that don't wanna be they don't want to learn. If you don't wanna learn when when products are changing daily, when I call a manufacturer up because there's a question and I go, oh, I'm a member of the WYA, I get a different attitude. When you call up and you say, oh, I have a question, they, they start to give you this song and dance. You go, listen, I'm a man member. Oh, you're a WYA member. Oh, well, why do not you say that? Well, then let's talk about this particular issue, and this is how you're going to overcome it. <laughs> we are all talking once again at the same language, so I, I think it's a great learning tool um, for your employees as well and being willing to train your employees shows them that, that you're willing to invest in them and when you're willing to invest in them they'll feel proud to work for you um, and, and you know, work pride is, is a big deal when pride in yourself is a big deal and, and that's one of the things that makes you a better paper hanger a better painter, a better contractor is pride in what
1: you do yeah. keeping a team together for a long time mm-hmm. and when you have that Satisfaction when you have that pride and when you have that feeling of being invested in and trusted, you don't want to go somewhere else. It's not just about the money at that point. It's a you don't want to go and work for somebody else because it might not be as good of a job. Might might be as 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 a good of a team. It might not be the same environment, and that's how you do things where you keep these employees because teaching someone is not a small investment. And I'm not even talking about the financial side of it. It's an investment of your time. It's an investment of your trust. It's an investment in general. And you need to be able to, when when they feel that you're investing in them like that, that you're taking the time to teach them something, they want to, if they are a good worker and they want to learn more, then they're going to want to stay with you because they know you will continue to teach them new skills so that they can be feel better and be better at what they do and get more of that satisfaction, have more of that pride in what they're doing and continue to grow in how much they're making, in how much work they can do, in the hours they're working, in all of the things that count in order to get that satisfaction from work.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when you show them, uh, Voltaire always said that with appreciation, excellence in others becomes your property. So when your employee is feeling like they're being recognized and they see that you're investing time and money in them, they become, you know, I think better employees Um, when you create your own community. So, you know, we don't just know, you know, uh, you know, the employee themselves, we know their wives, we know their kids. Uh, you know, my guys for years came to my house when everybody's kids were little. You know, when you were little, you would go out with me, you know, with, or with your mom and do trick-or-treating with all of our crew and their kids. You know, they, they would all go out with us and, and uh, you know, come over to the house and enjoy some hot apple cider. Little things like that that create communities, I think, I I hear from a lot of employers, oh, you know, don't go over and become friends.
1: I don't know, they're
0: they're not friends, they're family. They're more than just friends. I mean, these are people that, you know, we're 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 talking decades. And when you talk decades and people become family and you create a team like that and you create a family like that, you know, yeah, they'll always, you know, when when something, you know, has an argument or a fight, you can resolve it because you all have respect for each other. So uh, you move on just like in any family, which is a great thing. I, I mean, you know, conflict resolution is one of those things that that is a good leader you need to know
1: how to do. Absolutely. I think that's a good jumping off point to talk about something else that really matters when it comes to the topic that we're talking about today, and that's how to be a good boss versus how to be a good leader and how to kind of mix the two because you can't just be one, you have to be both things in order to not just be as successful in business, but to keep a crew together for any long period of time, you have to be able to balance those two things because I think they're a little bit different.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, little things. And, you know, teaching, I mean, that's a hard part to teach leadership to, um, you know, sometimes to crew members. Because uh, sometimes you want to you know, and that's one of the things that we've been working on, is teaching leadership skills. Because everybody wants to be the boss for the day, but that means taking on more responsibility. And, you know, getting them to understand that is, you know, is the next step kind of things, the, the eye-opener. Um, so yeah, those are those are hard, hard sections to do. As far as leadership goes, once again, like I said before, I don't ever ask my guys to do something I wouldn't personally have done um, in my career. I'm not going to ask someone to climb on something dangerous, because I would never have climbed on something dangerous whenever someone use a piece of equipment that I didn't feel I was knowledgeable enough. You know, when we buy something, I always go through the training. You always go through the training so that we know how, you know, so we know too. We're not just, you know, when we, when we say something, we can say it with authority. Yeah. Uh, my God, the guys have done that to me over the years. You sent it to them once and we were spraying with that brand new sprayer. Um, down in the, in the apartment building and everybody was joking around and they were like, well, you, why don't you show us? And you turned to them and said, you know you shouldn't do that to my father because he knows how to do all those things. And I picked up the machine and I did it and they were like, ah, we hate when you do that, Lewis, but we know you're going to do that. So, you know, there's a certain amount of respect that comes from that, knowing that I know how to do all those things. Well, I
1: think that's a big key and one of the big differences between just being a boss and being a leader. Something I've learned over the years is you're not going to be on the job the whole day, so you're not grabbing a brush or a caulking gun to work with them on a job necessarily. But when you're there and they're setting up, helping them put out the drop cloths, you know, going over with them, which order we're doing things, but like, in the room, not just standing back, being a part of the team while you're there with the team, doing things like when you're going to be there at lunch, bringing them uh, uh, some foods, you know, you know, buying a pizza for the guys, you know, right? Bringing a case like. of water when it's really hot, yeah. You know, bringing coffee if you're going to, you know, yeah, if right. you happen to be there at ten o'clock in the morning, and just being, like you said, growing in as a growing it as a family, becoming friends with them becoming you know respectful you're not buddies but you know becoming a part of making sure that you're a part of the team and not apart a from the team right is a big step towards being a good leader and when they feel like you're a part of the team it's much easier to get your message across to not have to be combative to be able to resolve mistakes or issues. Without it becoming a problem, instead, of just becoming something that you're working on solving.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Also, you know, even when something isn't right, because obviously nothing is 100%. N- never go over and, and admonish somebody in front of you know, the other team, especially never in front of a client. Always take them to the side, have a quiet talk with them, and explain why something is wrong, how we can correct it. And, and tell them, you know, and when uh, I love when, you know, people go, oh, well, I'm like, no, 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 we're a team. I'm calling you over because you're the guy I respect enough to fix the problem, and this is how I want you to fix it. <laughs> they start to get the idea that you, you're, you're respecting them as well. You're not going over and, and making them feel bad in front of anybody, and you're telling them, I understand that something is messed up. This is how we need to correct it so that we all, you know, correct the problem because we don't want to have a problem. So I think some of those things, those are the difference between leaders and bosses. Um, A boss will come in and just start yelling at people
1: and, you know. Well, I mean, you could be a good boss. I mean, and there are times where being a leader is important but there are times where you have to separate yourself and you do have to be the boss too yeah. and i think it's important to be able to balance that but the one of the keys is is being that good leader and being part of the team first makes it might make it a little bit more difficult for you because there's a more of a, a deeper connection between you and the guys, but it makes it easier for everybody involved for you to, in those moments that you do have to be the boss, that you do have to, they have to remember that they work for you and right. you need them to do something the way you want it done that um, it's, it's not a, it's not an open debate that you're trying to have that you want to make sure they know their input matters, but there are times where We're not having an open debate. I'm telling you or you're telling them, this is what needs to be done. This is how it needs to be done. Do it this way. And I always tell them, if I'm telling you there's
0: obviously a reason why I'm saying do it this way, if you do it my way and it's a problem, it was my problem. I told you to do it that way. If I told you to do it this way and you did it that way because you think you know better, and it's a problem. It's a you problem. It's not a me problem.
1: Just try it my way first. <coughs> and that's the thing. Sometimes that's one of the, the 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 differences between an employee and the employer is the employer has the full picture. They don't always know why they don't always know, nor do they always need to know in the moment why you need them to do something the way you need them to do it. Sometimes in a moment, you have to make a decision, and they have to be able to respect that decision. They have to be able to understand that this is, even though I would normally do it this way, I'm going to do it this way this time because that's what I'm being told. And not make it, you know, not make it adversarial to just do it and get it done. Yeah, I, I, and, and, you know, and it's not just
0: about some of those things, it, it's all, you know, with, with, Oh, paint it this way, or paint it that color, or use this product. It's also about the tech that we've we've installed, (laughs) you know, and tech. So something as as simple as Durabond. I remember when I brought the the first bag of Durabond to our guys, and I have employees. I mean, it's over 30 years ago that we brought powdered compound to the the table uh, when it started to become readily available. And I said, this is what we're going to start using. And oh, my God, the li- you know, listening to them moan and groan. Now, <laughs> it's just so integral. They couldn't live without it. I don't know what they thought they did
1: beforehand. Um, That's now, it's the other way. When they get a bucket of compound, they're like, really? I have to work with <laughs> <data." That's laughs> it. Right. Can't you bring me
0: the 20-minute the
1: set instead, you know? Um,
0: uh, look at tool tags. You know, they wanted to cry about tool. Oh, it's all now they don't even think about it. It's all second nature. And you know what? They no longer have to worry about being responsible for a tool because they know where it is. They know they logged it in. If something's wrong, they know they logged it in. So everybody becomes responsible and become part of a team. It just becomes part of the work and teaching them the tech stuff. Uh, you know, getting the, the air-assisted airless versus just an airless yep. sprayer. You know, it, it was a fight in the beginning until you go over and teach them that tech, that there's a reason why you use this. Now, our guy begs to use that machine even on the simplest product, even though it's the biggest machine we have. It's like, no, that machine works like, oh my God. My finishes are amazing with that. Well, that's the machine I want to use. So, you know, sometimes they hem and haw about, you know, a certain tech or certain supplies that we use. I mean, frog clips, uh, you know, I've been fighting with them for three years now to use frog clips. All of a sudden, they started to use it on this last couple of projects. Now it's like, oh, my God, can you get me more of those? Can you get me more of those? I had to buy them by the hundred now because they all want them in their bag because they're seeing the benefits that I've been trying to tell them for a couple of years and I keep giving them to them and they, I keep forcing them. Now they're starting to get used to it. They're liking it. They're seeing the, the, the benefits of it. So sometimes you have to you know, override their hesitation on new products
1: and well, and, and, and force that as the boss. Yeah. And I think that's also one of the uh, more challenging times to be a boss is when there's a new product that comes out, and you have to learn it at the same time as your employees. Mm. You're both going to be using it on a job together for the first time, and you still have to be able to make confident decisions so they can take the lead from you so they know where they're, the direction they need to head. But you're both working with a new product. We just recently did an a epoxy floor and bathroom in a product that we had never used before. It was spec by the architect. And it was a multi-layer, multi-level application system with four or five different products, all that were multiple-part epoxies and additives that had to be done in certain with different tools, with on uh, different layers, uh, in different days, in order to come out with this product. Mm-hmm. And we tapped the resources. They have salespeople, and the company worked with us. They came out and they spent time on the job, they were available on the phone, their website had good videos, and so the week before we did that job and we were really diving into the product before we were actually gonna physically use it, my employee, the guy who we, we've trained to become our epoxy floor guy, our lead epoxy floor guy, we sent him the same videos we were watching. We discussed the videos beforehand, we both watched a video, we, we both discussed it. And then when the product came, I wouldn't spend my normal 30 minutes on the job. I spent two and a half, three hours on the job each day because I was with them learning. And where I understood the concept, I wasn't going to be doing the pour. And so I was there in the bathrooms with them while they were doing the pour, talking through the process with them, making sure that we were working together to to ensure that the product came out right and... Boy, did it come out beautiful! It's it's a little bit on the expensive side, but it is a great product that I would use again. And the guys loved.
0: Yeah, yeah it was amazing. It really came out well. Uh, uh, the big challenge on that one was the weather because yeah, it was, it was so really humid in a yeah, yeah, no yeah, other than yeah. That. And so we we know now. I mean, that was a learning thing for us as well. I mean, they told us that we would probably have that issue, but actually, you know, seeing the issue in in real time was phenomenal. And the way we all corrected it was fantastic. And we overcame those issues and came out with an amazing product that everyone was thrilled with. And and it was being redone. Someone else had done the same product and had messed it up. And we came in on our first time because our guy has been trained to be able to think on the fly.
1: And, and was given the information needed right. so he could spend his time learning, because it's not like he was doing it on work hours. In the evenings, just like I was doing, sitting at home watching videos, he was as well, so that by the time we got there, we were both at least somewhat prepared to take the steps. And I provided him with the resources I made sure that the rep was going to be there on the important days to you know to make sure that we were mixing to the right consistency right. or balancing the product correctly and applying it properly and so amazing. by by providing the support system that our guy needed to do the job. He was able to come into it confident, knowing that A, we trusted him, and B, that he had the resources to do the job correctly, and he didn't have to worry that he might screw up something he's never done before and cost everybody a lot of money. Right, right. And he, he certainly doesn't want to mess anything up, and he always
0: takes care of things. So, yeah, I, it was a great experience, and, and the, that's how you go over and get guys motivated and, and happy about their work. Showing them like, yeah, listen, here yeah, this is what we want you to learn because this is something we're going to add to your repertoire. And when you learn how to do this, when we get jobs like this, we'll be able to give you, you know, bonuses on something like this. You know, when you can take care of this in a really timely manner because this stuff can work pretty fast, you'll be able to cut down the amount of time that we need. And when you cut down on time, we make a little extra money. You make extra money. So, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. And then it's showing our guy that we're thinking of you long term. This is not tomorrow. You know, tomorrow the company's unending. Tomorrow the company's going on. And we want you to be here. Um, You know, people like to know that they have job security. And this gives them job security. Because I don't want to start teaching someone from scratch. I just spent all this time with you. So it's a great job security feeling for the guys,
1: you know. And part of that is they also see that you're invested in it. Mm-hmm. You're spending your time there. You're providing. You're doing what you need to do to get them the resources to learn, and you're learning at the same time. So that yeah. together you're building that skill. So together you can make sure the next one comes out right. That's how they know that it's a team effort, and that's how they feel a part of the team. And once again, it's building that vocabulary. You know, work vocabulary
0: is. Uh really important thing. When you're all, when you say something that you all mean the same thing. Um, You know, it's like in Spanish, the word orita means in some parts, it means right now. And in other parts of, uh, you know, South America, it means, all right, you could do it a little bit later. It's the same word. It's pronounced the same way. It's just a cultural thing. So when you walk into a job site and you're all speaking the same language, Boy, does it become much easier because everybody's speaking the same language. When you say you want something cut in, you're working on the apron, you're working on the skirt, you're working on the fascia board. When you're able to t- tell them <coughs> to do something, and you know you're all speaking the same
1: language, you all are uh, you get a lot of benefit out of it. Absolutely, um, I think that pretty much is a good sum up of. Some of the ways that hiring and training lead to crew retention and how to grow your business and grow your skill set and grow and diversify what you're doing is all ties into keeping your team together and how important that is, how important it is to not have crew turnover constantly because the amount of time and effort it takes to get people to do things the way they your standards are and the way you need them done, is a lot. And the less often you have to teach, the more often you could be doing other things to help grow the business. Yeah, when you don't have to sit on top of somebody because that you know that they already know
0: what they're doing, um, it's a really good thing. So, um, I, you know, I, I think uh, we've hit on a lot of really good points. We can go on about this more at another time. But I want to thank everybody for uh, listening in. And um, all the people who have been following us, thank you so much. And we will see you on our next episode. Have a great afternoon,
1: everybody. Thank you very much.
0: And remember, if you have any ideas, send them in to us. Let us know where you'd like us to go over and go with some of these conversations. And if there's somebody you think we could go over and interview, or a particular industry you'd like
1: us to interview, let us know. Any suggestions and any feedback would be always welcome. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Thanks for listening to a new coat of paint podcast. As always, these are your hosts, Scott and Lewis Katz. Please look us up on Twitter at new underscore coat or on Facebook at new coat of paint podcast. As always, we appreciate any likes, follows, listeners and subscribers. Have a great day, and thank you.